gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the book before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose and beside him stood several names that I ain't going to waste your time on listening to me pronounce. And Ezra opened the book in the sight, verse 5, of all the people, for he was above all the people when he opened it, and the people stood up. And, the, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen and Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord, with their faces to the ground. Verse 8, And they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Father, we thank you and pray you'd add your blessings to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. If the Lord would help me for a little while this morning, I want to preach on this thought, the recipe for revival, the recipe for revival. Now everybody in here probably has great plates of food in your mind when I say the word recipe. My mama makes, my wife's mama, my mama makes the best biscuits on planet earth. I've always wondered, Rita can take the same recipe and they don't taste the same. My wife can take the same recipe and they don't taste the same, but I figured out what it was one day. I'd walked in from helping Papa in the garden, walked into where she was. She's crying, begging God. Thank God I heard my name in that prayer. Hallelujah. And tears, salty tears off her eyes was falling into biscuits and I realized the secret ingredient. And everybody in this building knows, you've probably read this text, you've probably read the Bible, but if we'll seek the Lord, and earnestly, I mean with tears at times, I believe God will give us the right recipe that even we can follow, I believe we can get it right. How many of folk believe we need revival personally as a nation in the church? Would you say amen? In, in the book of, of Nehemiah, let me get up to where we're at. If you looked in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of the book of Nehemiah, you find out his burden, Nehemiah's burden, and how he sought it. Nehemiah could have lived a life of luxury. He had it made. He was the king's, uh, he was the cupbearer. He, he had a prestigious place. The king didn't drink a thing or eat a thing that, that didn't co first come through him. I mean, he had an exalted place in the kingdom. But it wasn't just enough to live in a life of ease or a life uh, of, of luxury when he got word back from one of his buddies that the 
the place he grew up, the, the city of God, the walls were been torn down, the gates were burned. It burdened his heart about the condition of, of the nation of Israel, of, of the capital of God's presence and power so much that his position was not near as important as seeking the presence of God. Would to God that we could get enough people, amen, among us today that say, Lord, I'm not looking for a position in the world, power in this world. We need the power of God and the presence of God. Nehemiah had a burden. In chapter 1 and chapter 2, you find out how he saw it. In chapter 3, you start seeing his building and how he wrought it. I'm glad they worked as families. I'm glad they worked as units. I'm glad there was unity following deity. And if you ever want God to show up, yeah, man, just get brethren to dwell together in unity. Get folks one mind and of one accord. You say, I don't know if you'll do it. Well, he did it in Acts chapter 2 when they got in one mind and one accord. The wind blew. The head man, there was a sound from heaven. The fire showed up over top of their head. And the church got it filled with the Holy Ghost. I'd say baptized with the Holy Ghost. So we see his building and how he wrought it. In chapter 4, you start seeing the battle and how he fought it. Let me just say this right quick. Anytime you try to build for God, anytime you try to go forward with God, anytime you try to go up with God, there's with new levels come new devils. And you know, you got to realize that there's going to be fights and battles. But let, let me just go out in case I don't say it later on. We can rejoice over the fact that his head's been smashed in. At Calvary, Jesus gave him a death blow. Can anybody say amen? Well, he's still wiggling. So is every other serpent you cut their head off. Amen. They'll still wiggle a while. We'll still have to fight him. But the good news is he, he crawls on his belly because he's been defeated and disarmed. Somebody say amen. Hey man, that's shouting country right there. Y'all with me? We got, hey, thank God the devil has been defeated. There's going to be battles with blessings. Every victory does not come with you sitting in the lazy bowl with your chairs up. You ought to face the next day and the next moment on your knees because, hey man, when, if you're going the same way with the devil or running your tail in circles, he'll leave you alone. But when you start marching against the flow of wickedness, he's going to come fight. There's going to be friction. Would y'all say amen? And so we see his battle and how he fought it. He, he, fought, he fought when they built the temple. That, amen. Ezra fought when they built the temple. They started fighting against that crowd that didn't want to see the glory show up. In fact, there were some of the people of God that went back and said, well, we're, we're glad the new temple's built. Thank God the foundation's laid. Thank God the musicians are in their place, but it won't get as good as it used to. Well, hold on a minute. He's a God of yesterday, today, and forever. And if he ever showed up, he can do it again. In fact, the glory of the latter house is going to be better than the former house. Amen. Then there was a crowd. They fought some within. They fought some without. When they built the walls, they started facing opposition. In spite of every obstacle and in spite of all opposition, they were able to, amen, keep on battling because they fought with their brethren. Would y'all say amen? But then when you get on down, let's get down to chapter number eight to where we're at. In chapter number eight, we know this, and we'll mention it in just a little bit. 
There's a lot that's went on prior to this chapter. But by the time you get to chapter number eight, Brother Jared, there's some other things that need to be repaired, other things that need to be restored, and there's other things that need to be revived out of the rubble. It's not just a place of worship, not just those walls that are going to be around, but the people themselves need to be revived and restored and renewed. We see in this chapter Ezra, we see this, his book and how he taught it. We see in chapter number eight, you could put it under this uh, heading, he published it, he publicized it, and he preached it. Amen. Thank God for preaching. Would y'all say amen? In chapter number eight, we find these, these, these res, this recipe for revival. And it starts out in chapter number eight and verse number one. Watch this. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man. If we're ever going to see, listen, we know that in chapter number eight, the walls have been repaired. We know that by the time we get to chapter number eight, the temple worship has been restored, revived out of the rubble. So we got worship going on. We've got the walls rebuilt. Hey, man, thank God for all of that. I'm, I'm, the workers had to be faithful. They fought with one hand, had a sword in one hand and a spear in one hand, a fighting instrument in one hand and a trial in the other. I mean, they worked as family units. They worked side by side. The workers were faithful. The walls were repaired. Worship was restored. But now the people needed to be repaired. Hey, man, the people needed need to be revived and the people need to be restored but the reason it wasn't is because even though the walls were repaired the workers were faithful the worship amen was dynamic and it was on point here's here's the problem the word was being neglected in chapter number eight God is going to use his word in chapter number eight to rebuild the people he's going to use his word through his man to restore the people. He's going to, the gates have been put back on, but things are going to be set back in order from the word of God. Anytime we try to do anything without the word of God, it's going to fall apart. Do you know what Martin Lloyd-Jones did when he took the first pastorate? He took nails and nailed the pulpit down so they couldn't scoot it off for some other event. He nailed it down because the pulpit, the preaching of the word, the proclaiming of the word, the publishing of the word, whether it be teaching, preaching, singing, testifying, that point, that is the center, the hub of the wheel. Amen. Not not plays, and ain't nothing wrong with plays and nothing, but preaching and proclaiming and publicizing the word and then receiving what's being publicized, preached. That is the key to revival, restoration. and rest. Would y'all agree? We know that Ezra is a qualified man of God because in Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, here's what it said. You can write it down, look it up later if you don't believe me. But in Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, it's, here's what it says. Ezra said, the Bible says about Ezra that Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and do it. What about that? 
He had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach Israel, the people of God, statutes and judgment. So here's what he did. He determined himself to have a little revival, to study the law of God, amen, to obey the law of God, and to teach others about the law of God. That, that's, he's prepared. God had prepared the vessel to be used. By the time we get to chapter number eight, God begins to do some things. The first step to having revival, if you're going to have revival, it's got to be, it's got to revolve around the word of God. And when, when the word of God is used and preached by the man of God, the second thing that's got to happen, the second ingredient that's got to take place, hey man, is you've got to gather the people together in one mind, in one accord. There cannot be disunion. It can't be, if there's not unity, you say, preacher, well, ain't nobody in here fighting, nobody in here fussing, no, no gossipers. I thought about it today when you read that list in your, in your Sunday school lesson. In 1 Peter in chapter 5, y'all would have to just go see it. There, there is a great list. Don't let, don't let, don't suffer as people who do wrong and, and as murderers. Man, that's a terrible list. But in that list, is busybodies and other men's matters. As if to say, gossiping and murmuring is as bad as murder. That's what he said. He said, don't, don't, don't suffer as some of them that are murderers, murmurers, or busybodies, messing with other things that you ain't got no business messing with. I feel like preaching there a while. Y'all know you got them at work. God forbid you might be one at work, somebody said. Amen. I hope not. But when you're going to have revival, when there's going to be restoration, amen, when you want to see worship, when, when folks need to be restored, what needs to happen, it needs to be revolving around the Word of God. And I'll get there in just a minute. But it's got to start, it's got to come together when everybody comes together as one man, as if they have one goal. They wasn't trying to catch Ezra and slip up and something he said. They wasn't, wasn't trying to worry about who was or wasn't there. You say, preacher, that ain't a big deal. Oh, it's a big deal. When Ezra brought the first crowd back, I think it was 32,167. There's a whole bunch of them. There was over 32,000 people came with him. By the time we get to this, it's already been over 100 years. They spent 100, they, they say, there's about 100-something thousand people, and none of them, none of them are out of sync with one another. That many people came together as one man. So surely to God, we can get a hundred people together as one man. Would y'all agree? They, 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 so we see the attendance of the selected, of, the, of the, those who would hear the sermon. But then you see this, you see this, Brother Jerry, you see the appetite for the scriptures. Look at verse number three. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate. Watch this. From the morning until midday. That ain't going to be all. From the morning to midday. A Jewish day starts at 6 a.m. Midday is 12 a.m. They had a six-hour service. Woo! We got a long way to go. And a short time. Are y'all with? We got a long way to go. Six hours in a church service. Are y'all with me? 
There wasn't none of them looking to get out. Nobody was worried about their sugar. There wasn't nobody. They had cookies that were sugar-free in one pocket and cookers, <laughs> cookies that would uh, yeah, man, up their sugar in the other pocket. Are y'all listening to this preacher? They wasn't worried about being the first down there at the buffet line over at the marketplace. They, you know what they came? They came. They had, yeah, man, they had a, uh, yeah, man, attendance, but they had an appetite for the scriptures. They wanted to hear the word of God. We, we, most people can go to an average movie and sit for two hours and a half and get mad if somebody burps too loud. If you're in a theater and done paid all that money, if one person eats popcorn too loud, you get upset. If somebody's open crackers somewhere that's too loud, you get upset. But we can't even hardly make it through one hour of a service. Y'all know I'm right. Might as well say amen. The attendance of the selected, the appetites for the scripture. You know what they had? Seth, here's what they had. They knew, they, Ezra knew God was going to use Ezra to prepare this crowd and protect this crowd. And what the walls couldn't do and what all the armed guards couldn't do, his word was going to do. Amen. Thank God they had a desire. They relished the word of God. In verse number three, the latter part, here's what the Bible said. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. That's what it says. They had a desire. They relished the word of God. Their ears were attentive. They didn't go to sleep halfway through the sermon being read. Somebody ought to say amen. They went to bed before 12.30 at night or 3 o'clock in the morning. Amen. They had a sigh. They were attentive. They wasn't just sitting in the place. They were attentive on the edge of the sea. Carries the idea, hung on every word of what's being read. We ain't even got to the understanding yet. He's just reading it. And had respect for the word of God. They relished the word of God. They had respect for it. Look in verse number 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, watch this. All the people stood up. It was instantaneous. They had such a respect for the word of God that when the word of God was open, they stood. If you don't know why we do it around here, that's why we do it. Amen. We don't have a glass pulpit neither. And in case I don't get back, it's made out of wood. Somebody say Amen, amen. They, they relished the, the word of God. They respected the word of God. So we see, so we see the attendance of the select, the, the attendance of the saints, if you will, the people of God. We have, we have their appetite for the scriptures. But in chapter 8, verse 6 through 12, we see the agreement with the sermon. Watch what happens in chapter, in chapter 8, verse number 8. And they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to have understanding. Did y'all, did y'all notice that? Look back in verse number six. Ezra blessed the Lord. I mean, he's reading through there. And by the way, I'm going to get to it in just a minute. Hey, man, uh, he ain't the only preacher there. There's 27 listed. 27 in our, and I didn't read all them names, but there's 27 preachers. He ain't the only one. Some of them sitting on the left hand and the right hand. They're sitting on the platform. Hey, man, and he's, what if all of them got up and preached for six hours? Wouldn't that have been something? 
He stood up there preaching, opened the scriptures. They were attentive to every word. They're hanging on every word. They have an appetite for the word. They have a respect for the word. They relish the word of God. They reverence the word of God. They agree with the word of God. They rejoiced in unity. Watch what happens. It's what the Bible says. And verse number six, they said, in agreement, and all the people, when he said, bless the Lord, the great God, when he's up there reading, he said, bless the Lord, the great God. You know what they said? Amen and amen. Let's try it out one time. Bless the Lord, the great God. Amen. 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 That's pretty good. Let's try it one more time. Bless the Lord, the great God. You know what that meant? That meant they were engaged. They weren't just there to spectate. They were engaged. They were participating in the sermon. Are y'all with me? Amen. That's right. That's right. Amen is one of his names, by the way. It won't hurt you to say it. They reverenced the word of God. They rejoiced in unity around the word of God. Watch what happened in verse number 10. Look what happened in verse number 10. This day, and the latter part of verse 10, for this day is holy unto the Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what they realized? They were reminded through the scriptures, through the preaching. Praise going in a minute. In verse number eight, he, not, he gave the sense. He expounded the word. And I'm trying to get back there. He explained the scriptures. He gave them an understanding. And you know what happened when he gave them an understanding? Hey, man, God began to use him to preach that word of God. Some of them realized how wicked they were. Some of them realized the word of God had cut on and wounded them. And they started weeping. And you know what the Bible says? He said, hold up a minute. Don't be sorry. This day is holy unto the Lord. Hey, God's doing a work here. And the Bible said, don't forget the joy of the Lord is your strength. I mean, they didn't, they got happy a little bit. And verse number 12, watch what happened. And all the people went their way and did eat and drink and send porches to make great, great mirth and to make great mirth and to make great mirth. Did y'all see that? They all rejoiced and the Bible says they went and made great mirth. Hallelujah. That means they, they had a celebration. They, they were stirred up. They were, they were encouraging one another. You, they, they were making much of what they'd heard, what they understood. They, according to verse number six, the Bible said they bowed their heads. They worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They wondered at the word. They went to work about the word. Hey, man, they worshiped over the word. They, that was their response to the message. Thank God for the, for the, for the attitude of surrender. They agreed with the, with the sermon, but they had an attitude of surrender. Here's what they said. Watch this. Watch these words. I mean, I, I, you ought to check it out. Verse number eight, or verse number one of chapter eight, all the people. You, you keep going on down. That's all the people. It's all the people all the way down through here multiple times. You can look it up in your Bible. All the people in verse number three and the ears of all the people were attentive. I like that. Amen. Everybody. Look at verse number six. All the people said amen. Can you imagine 100,000 plus people saying amen. Amen. That meant something else. I mean, they wouldn't one, one, one person worried about what they was going to eat the next meal. 
There wasn't one single person wondering what time the preacher was going to get done. There wasn't one sitting. No, they was all attentive. They was all desirous. They ahead, man. Are y'all listening to this preacher? All the people, all the way through here. It's all the people, all the people, all the way. Keep saying all the people, all the people. The Bible said he taught the people. In verse number nine, all the people wept. They heard the words of the law. Amen. All the people, verse number 11, the Levites had to steal all the people. And verse number 12, all the people went their way to eat. Everybody that heard, everybody was wanted to heed the word of God. It wasn't just about hearing it. It was about heeding the Bible. It was about letting the word of God change your life. So when all the people heard and all the people understood, and that's a great, that's another great word. When they understood all through here. They understood. The Bible said when he preached in verse number eight that he gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. It changed, Brother Jared. It changed some things. Let me just make sure as Paul's enough to go by. It changed how they lived. Look at verse number 16. The people went forth and, bought, and brought them and made themselves booths. You know why? When they got to hearing the word of God, they realized when they got out of captivity, when God brought them out of Egypt, they were supposed to be having a feast of booths. They were supposed to celebrate the fact that God had delivered them. He had brought them out by the blood of the lamb. He had brought them out by no power of their own. God had delivered them through Moses, who was a picture of Christ. They bring us out of our Red Sea of sin, or across the Red Sea of sin, out of Egypt of sin, and to a land of Canaan and thank God and they were going to commemorate it every year by holding and you know what the Bible said they, they felt convicted so it changed how they lived it changed everything it changed it changed how they stayed in the sanctuary it changed how they had participated in this in this feast in the synagogue but what's this verse number 17 and all the congregation of them that were Come out and the captivity made booths, set on a booth for since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, unto this day had not the children of Israel done so. Watch this. And there was very great gladness. Not just great gladness, not just gladness, not just great gladness, but very great gladness. Are y'all, y'all seeing this? I mean, it changed how they sung. It changed how they shouted. It changed how they went back to their house individually or singly. It changed, hey man, corporately, publicly. It changed how they lived. It changed how they laughed. The Bible said they, they had gladness. They had very great gladness. They, that word gladness, it actually means merry. It means happy. It, it carries the idea, hey, joy. God gave you joy in spite of everything going around you. You should be happy. You ought to laugh once in a while. It ain't as bad as you think it is. Amen. Change what they lauded. The Bible said in, in verse number 18, watch this. And day by day, from the first day unto the last day, he read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the seven feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. You say, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. What they loved most was having a feast on the word of God and having a festival around their desire to go for God. All of that changed. Brother Jerry, do you know how it changed? Here's how it changed. It changed 
through what went on on the pulpit. Now every bit of that, every bit of that is introduction. My message is not six hours, it's about ten minutes. I want you to listen. It changed because of what went on in the pulpit. We want to go, not us, but as a whole in 2023, we want to go to a place as the people of America that is geared toward accommodating us. We want to go to a place that is geared toward accommodating our children. We want to make sure that if we go somewhere, it's what we are looking for. Now, hold up a minute. If you're trying to figure out where God wants you to go to church, you shouldn't be, what can they do for me? What can I do for God here? Are y'all listening? Am I right? But we have this self-serving mentality in 2023. A lot of it, it's not just in the political realm. It's not just in the social realm. It's even in the religious realm. Everybody thinks they deserve a handout. I'm going to tell you right now, God help us. We, are not, we need to give a hand up to people and we need to get our hands in the fight. You know what I love about the Benjamites? Every time I read that, they could war with the right hand or they could war with the left hand. In other words, they got in with both hands. That's the way Jesus did. He got in with both hands. Somebody say amen. Oh man, that's what God wants us to do. Are y'all listening to me? Here's how it is. Let me give you three things. I'll let you go. Number one, here's what happened. They gathered around this pulpit. Look at verse number four, chapter eight. Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose, this elevated platform that stood above the people. It was, I've seen pictures of it. It was kind of like this and the wood all came up like this and he rolled a scroll out. So it was all wood where all those 27 preachers were. Big enough for all those preachers on the left and the right and the wood went up and elevated the scroll. And when he stood up on the pulpit, the preeminence was on the preaching. The preeminence was on proclaiming what was in the book, what was in the scroll, what was in the book of God. They were going to read it in verse number three. They were going to expound it in verse number eight. He gave the sense and caused them to have an understanding. He explained and gave them understanding. If you, just to make sure, y'all look with me, write this down, highlight it, put a mark on your Bible. And verse number two, they could hear with understanding. And verse number three, could understand. Verse number seven, about the people to understand the law, the people stood in their place. What about that? Standing instead of sitting. Verse number eight, they read in the book and the law gave the sense, caused them to understand. Verse number 12, they, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them, they were changed and, and they're laughing and they're living. Hey man, and all that they loved for, longed for and loved and lauded. And verse number 13, the Bible says unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the word. So all these times in your Bible, that's one, two, three, four, five, six times, he said it's about the understanding. He's preaching and proclaiming the word of God because the purpose of the pulpit is to declare God, to declare his word, to proclaim his truth. 
he had, you know what Ezra was reading? We don't know what he read. But if, there, if, if he has read a portion that reminds them of the redemption from Egypt, if he has read the portion that reminds them to have the Feast of Tabernacles, that they're to dwell in booths, that they're to have a set feast according to verse number 18, and the eighth day they're going to have a great solemn festival, assembly, that word assembly, that word solemn assembly, that means festival or amen, to, to have a gathering of worship. And so Brother Jared, if he read in that, he's reminding him about the blood of the lamb. He's reminding him about the, the awfulness of Egypt and the sin of the taskmaster. He's reminding him about the Red Sea that he brought him out of. He's reminding him about the wilderness, uh, the wilderness journeys for 40 years. He's reminding him about Canaan and all that God done for him. And God says, proclaim and declare God's redemption. You know what? Every time the word of God's preached and an elevated platform, amen, behind a pulpit or on a pulpit of wood, you know what? It, declare the truth about God. It means nail down the truth. The Bible said he gave the sense. That word means to expound. That means to give, make doctrine plain. At Thomas Manton, an old Puritan writer, here's what he said. He said when, when you take the word of God and you begin to explain it's like drawing a bow and hitting the mark. God knows where the arrow needs to drive up in the heart of the people. All we need to do, I know this, if we're going to have revival, it's going to have to come around the word of God. It's going to have to come around the proclamation of the word of God. It's going to have to come through the people receiving what's been proclaimed from the word of God. If we're going to see revival, restoration, if we're going to see things put back in order, then we're going to have to realize God's going to use a man of God on a pulpit proclaiming his word to Declare his truth for what's wrong in their life. Would y'all say amen? So the pulpit is used for declaring God. And if, and if we're going to have revival, then we're going to have to put things in proper place. We're going to have to come together as one man. You notice what happened, Brother Jared? They didn't just gather together. They heard together. They understood together. They worshiped together. They praised God together. Their life was changed together. They lived differently from that point on. They hadn't been doing some things they should. After hearing the preaching and the understanding of the scriptures, the reading of the word of God, they started living differently when they left. They all did it all together. All the people worship. All the people work for God. All the people witness for God. All the people, everybody, if we're going to have revival, that's how we're going to have to come together. We're going to have to come together as one man. We're going to have to come together and worship. We're going to have to come together and get to work. We're going to have to come together and witness. You know what a witness it was? For see that whole crowd go out and start cutting trees and palm branches and bringing them in there and building booths and to do it with gladness not just gladness but great gladness but not just great gladness with very great gladness you know what a blessing it was for them to skip down the road while they're working for the Lord and witnessing for the Lord and the Bible said I could hear them sing the joy of the Lord is our strength hey don't forget guys the joy of the Lord is your strength this is not a time for weeping we've been we've been shown how what we need to do so let's repent let's get revived and let's get back at it again and get restored. Y'all say amen. They did it. 
purpose of the pulpit is declaring God, display God's character. Did you notice what he said? This word pulpit, you'll only find pulpit one time in your King James Bible. But the word that means the same thing as pulpit, David uses it throughout Psalms. People use it throughout, but the song, Solomon uses it in Proverbs 18. Here's what he said. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. That's the same word for pulpit. You know, you know, what, he, you know what he's doing? The, the life of, for Christ is a life that should be exalted. A life for Christ should be a, should be a life that looks to God. Hey man, they said, man, I, I, I want to make sure, I want to make sure that we see not only God's word declared, but the character of God lived in our life. They were, we should live an exalted, a separated, a distinct life. It should be a high tower. It, it should be like a lighthouse to people in darkness. It, it, it should be, we should be looking out for other people to win, amen, and to war for. They all must agree with it. They said, amen, amen. The folks shouted, lifting up their hands. What about that? Now, we did it a while ago. We just said, amen, amen, but that was only half right. They lifted up hands and said, amen, amen. And the Bible said he blessed God, hey, our great God, and the people said, amen, and amen. That's what they did. They were involved. They were engaged. The Bible says they bowed their heads and worshiped. The Bible said they gathered daily. The Bible said, the Bible says they day by day, from the first day unto the last day, every day they were looking forward to church again. Every day they were looking forward to live different again. Every day they were looking forward to work and worship and witness. Every day they wanted to hear what the word of God said. That's how we're going to have to have revival, be restored. And then lastly, the pulpit, the purpose of the pulpit in our text. For God to use his man, 27 other or 27 altogether, 26 other preachers, to stand there ready and then to have over 100,000 people receive, repent, and get revived. Because when the word of God was proclaimed and the word of God was published and the word of God was preached, they fell prostrate, they praised, and they purposed to live different what the word says here's what it says over three three times in this chapter three times it uses the word watergate that's where water rushed in that's where water rushed out that you could look there's a message in all those gates and we ain't got time to reminisce about them i won't take time to reminisce about them but notice what significantly the holy ghost three times in our chapter Verse 1, Watergate. Verse 3, Watergate. Verse 16, then the street of the Watergate and in the street of the gate of Ephraim. You know what he's, you know what he's telling us? If there's going to be a lasting change, a lasting restoration, a lasting revival, if there's going to be a, a, a lasting rebuilding, when they hear it preached, and, and, and when they 
respond by repentance. Respond by being restored and living a life that's different. If it's going to last, there's got to be the presence of the Holy Ghost there. The water in the Bible represents the Word of God. But moving water represents the Holy Ghost. And in John chapter 7, verse 37, 38, Jesus said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. God wants us to get what we can around the Holy Ghost presence and power of God. So the pulpit, they saw a man proclaimed the truth. He proclaimed the word of God. He, they, they, saw, they saw people praise God. And they saw the presence and power of God change the people of God. So I want to ask you a question. Why his is bowed, eyes closed. I feel like I just gave you an overview today. I feel like this is where I need to stop.